What's going on everybody? This is Malik Prince from Team Xbox and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 120 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, February 20th, 2022. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we'll chat with Ricard Paulson, developer behind the upcoming game Gunborg Dark Matters, a darling indie game that I just got turned on to, absolutely loving it. Prior to that, we'll be looking at this past week's news, which includes a shadow drop of Cyberpunk 2077, along with Halo Season 2 news. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, two fantastic individuals on the docket. The first, of course, goes to Scott Carnage. That's Carnage with a K. And the A's are replaced with fours. Scott runs his own YouTube channel that covers indie games coming to the Xbox platform. And it was Scott who put me in touch with Ricard Paulson, the developer that you'll be hearing in this particular interview. It's his coverage that often points me to amazing indie games. Uh, you can find him at youtube.com slash Carnage. Again, that's Carnage with a K. And the A's are replaced with fours, a fantastic YouTube channel. You can find him on socials at the very same name. Uh, just a genuinely great dude. He's an ID at Xbox mod as well. Uh, but he just does a great job at bringing spotlight to the amazing indies that kind of grace the Xbox platform. And you should absolutely give him a look. If you're a fan of XCP, I feel very confident you would be a fan of his channel as well. I know I certainly am. Uh, definitely give him a look over on the socials and on his YouTube channel and as you guys did last week, and I saw this and it absolutely made my day, several of you reached out to the Infernax developers on social uh, and said that you'd heard about their game via XEP. Guys, that means the absolute world to me. So thank you so much if you do that to any of the people that are featured or I mentioned uh, on this show. Uh, if you could let Scott know that you heard him. And then the same thing for Ricard Paulson. I'll drop his socials later on uh, and they'll always be in the show notes as well. Just really cool vibes when, when that happens for me. The second words of kindness go to James Suddy, who's a name you've likely heard on this show before. He often writes in, and I've often referenced him as a gaming buddy of mine. Uh, but he sent me his original Xbox and a swath of games. Uh, for all my love for the brand, of course, I've never actually owned an original Xbox until now. Uh, and this is really exciting for me because I don't even know if I'm going to play it or just display it, but it's really cool to have a piece of gaming history. I played on OG Xboxes in college that friends had, but I was always a Dreamcast, GameCube, PS2 guy. And so to, to finally have one for the collection is really, really cool. I'm going to clean it up. I need to see about getting uh, some updated cords so it connects really well to kind of my, my newer TVs and such, but uh, really cool to finally own that. I think I might be trying to track down a copy of Marvel's Nemesis Rise of the Imperfects just to have, uh, but it's really kind of neat to have that. Maybe even I'll track down some some Obi-Wan, uh, Adventure Star Wars Obi-Wan, you know, like just to have some of those great memories on the Xbox platform. Let me know, write in uh, twitter.com slash insipidghost and let me know some of your favorite OG Xbox games that I should check out 
uh, here in 2022, right? Like if it was a great game then, but doesn't age well, maybe I hold off of it, right? Like I don't need to play Halo 2 again, you know, like I've, I've got that in Master Chief Collection. But if there's a gem or two out there that you love that you think is worth my time, uh, let me know because I'm going to build a backlog to play over like summer break uh, for sure because my my current backlog of current gen games or, or currently available games is is extensive at this point. And uh, I think we're just going to bleed right into the next topic because Cyberpunk 2077 uh, is in my backlog now purposely and intentionally thanks to the 1.5 Shadow Drop launch of their latest patch, which now makes the game available uh, in perpetuity and proper on now current gen platforms, PS5, Xbox Series S and X. Uh, they dropped a massive 1.5 update just a few days prior to the recording of this episode, uh, and it changes the game drastically. Massive improvements uh, all across the game, shorter load times, better graphics, a lot of different fixes to a number of different things in the game, uh, including a, a complete rework of the skill trees to make them more fun. They've uh, adjusted the way that characters in the world react to you, violence, things that are going on around them to make the world feel a lot more lifelike. It seems that this patch has finally delivered on the promise of Cyberpunk 2077 uh, coming out 15 months after its launch, begging the question why indeed uh, they would wait so long to to truly drop, you know, I should say, begging the question why they would have launched as early as they did. And I think money is the simple answer to that. But it seems, though I've not gone hands-on with it, it seems by all intentions that uh, this is absolutely the game that they wanted it to be with more amazing things on the way. Uh, it was on sale on the Xbox platform. I picked it up for 30 bucks. I'm anxious to check it out uh, for sure. I'm, I'm very anxious to finally see what Cyberpunk 2077 is about. I was very down on the game when it came out. So many bugs and and. Uh, images of, of things that just didn't work out the way they wanted to but uh, with all genuine purpose guys i'm very excited to play this game i'm finishing up dying light 2 and uh another game that you can probably figure out that's available on xbox platforms but you can't talk about just yet because of embargo um you know it's a souls like game uh, i'm playing that right now as well which is very out of my own element so i'm going to bring in some some wonderful people uh joseph moran and ainsley Bowden are going to join me to talk about uh, the ring that is Elden. Uh, at some point, when we when I'm ready to kind of give impressions to you guys when embargo lifts, because I'm not the right voice for that. But at the same time, I think I'm a helpful voice because I'm I'm not into those games per se. So we're playing that and we'll bring you coverage there. But uh, Dying Light Two is the one I'm finishing up, and then after that, I'm going to be jumping into Cyberpunk 2077 thanks to this patch with the massive amount. They had over a thousand bug fixes and. Uh, just a number of different things. I mentioned the, the the way the NPCs react to you. They've fixed the driving, the skill trees. There's more cosmetic choices, more ways that you can uh, adjust and tailor the experience to your personal liking. Can I tell you, I'm really excited to play this game now. I was never one for cyber or steampunk stuff. That was never my jam. This game itself, truly down on uh, at launch. I know my my best friend Kev, he, he liked the game and then Ainsley Bowden won't shut up about it, but if we're being honest, this, the game that it is now in the 1.5 patch is far more of what the developers, by their own admission, wanted the game to be. Uh, truly showing that this game was not meant to be on Xbox One or PlayStation 4. In fact, I'm seeing reports, scattered reports, that this new patch bricked PS4s. I don't know if that's true. Um, I know there's a lot of kind of frustration if you are a PS5 user trying to get your PS4 saved to work. you got to download an all-new file. 
I mean, there's a, that, that's a smart delivery problem. Like Xbox, one thing they've done very well is have smart delivery. I thought it was a buzzword years ago. It's truly great. I love smart delivery. Um, in what I thought was just a marketing push, it seems to be really delivering on a number of fronts. And this is the latest example of that. Uh, but yeah, a big 50 gig patch that changes the way you can play this game. And I'm really stoked. Like I'm, I'm actually starting to speed up my run through of Dying Light 2 just to play it because I mean, that's a world you can dive into. And in a, in a month where PlayStation users are posting uh, some incredible footage and gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West, which uh, launched to a, just a baller, baller re- set of review scores and, and uh, anecdotal evidence that this is just a fantastic video game. Uh, it's cool to have Elden Ring and Cyberpunk drop in this month for Xbox users because, uh, you know, like it's always weird when, when you can't jump in on the latest craze for whatever platform, right? Like whatever your game is, if it's on another if if somebody from another platform can't jump into it, they feel a little left out, right? And vice versa. So it's cool that we've got kind of something big to tackle our hands on. I jumped in when it was 30 bucks. Um, I had promised a lot of people that I would get it when it was on sale uh, and, and ready for, for this next gen. And so I'm stoked for it. I'm stoked for it. Let me know if you're picking up Cyberpunk 2077. Let me know if you've tried it because it's next on my list. I'm not going to rush to review it or anything like that. Um, I wouldn't even say that truly I deliver on reviews in the big sense of the word so much as review impressions and then bringing voices in uh, a few weeks ago we were very fortunate to have Ty Guy Travis on who did the IGN review of Dying Light 2 um, that seems to be the way I'm, I'm kind of handling things going forward to make sure that you guys get more comprehensive coverage in addition to just kind of my impressions of things you know the other big news from this week for the Xbox audience came by way of uh, news surrounding Halo season two And I mean that in two senses of the word. Goodness, there's a lot of twos in this. It's February, it's the 20th, it's 2022, it's episode 120. Season two for Halo uh, has information about it in both the show, silver screen stuff, and in the game. uh, In the game, we've got news and updates on season two for the game. Let's focus on the TV TV series. Uh, This year's Halo TV series has already been renewed for season two, despite the actual show not coming out yet. That will drop on March 24th. And we're also getting news from Transmedia boss Kiki Wolfkill that in the silver screen adaption of uh, of Halo, you're going to be seeing Master Chief's face pretty regularly. Uh, some people took this to be a big slight. I thought it made perfect sense. You don't want to hide a ma- uh, an actor's face the entire time. Um, I mean, even in The Mandalorian, we saw uh, Din Djarin's face at one point pedro pascal wanted to be recognized for his role there um it makes sense right and this is of course what they were calling the silver timeline it does not cross over and interact with the games Uh, i'm very excited to see kind of how they're handling it and to know that they are going to be having a season two before the the show even launches it speaks to the confidence they have in the writing it also speaks to the fact that they've budgeted a pretty high amount for this and they don't want to let that go to waste you know when you once you put together the suits and the settings and you, you build those assets uh, both digitally and in real, real space, you want to make sure that you can put them to good use. So to have two seasons of this Halo show is very exciting. My hope is that it delivers on Mandalorian level quality. I want a show that my non-Halo friends can check out and talk about. That's what I want, right? Like Mandalorian brought Star Wars fans in that were not Star Wars fans prior. It was Grogu, it was Baby Yoda, and they were just just loving the the different ways the show explained the universe but didn't require you to know everything about it. And I'm hoping that Halo, the show, does this for people. I think about 
uh, my mega dad friends? Like, will they jump in and try it even if they're not traditional Halo fans? That's what I'm excited for. And so I hope it does just that for sure. Uh, I do want to read a quote or two from Kiki Wolfkill uh, to say that it is going to quote, I think we set out to tell a character story and a personal story. And once we really got into what that story was, it became clear that you really needed needed to see the person in the armor and under the helmet, end quote. Uh, of course, you can go Google Pablo Schreiber's face right now and know what Master Chief looks like in the silver timeline. Uh, why not? But I like the fact that they're really trying to tell a personal story as opposed to it just being a run and gun. Hey, it's a video game show. Uh, to me, that's very telling and very exciting. Uh, of course, season one is going to be dropping on March 24th uh, and features uh, Nat- Natasha McKellen, McKellen, I think is how you pronounce that name, uh, as Dr. Halsey. And then what's super cool is that Jen Taylor is the voice of Cortana yet again. Uh, a lot of controversy surrounding the fact that Cortana is not blue. And I think it's silly. You got to let this universe be its own. You got to let this universe be its own thing. And I'm hoping that people... Uh, give it the time and credit that it needs to have to be the best version of of this show. Uh, I know I'm excited for it, for sure, for sure. The other Halo 2 Season 2 news comes by way of an update to Halo Infinite, which is getting a mid-season update this coming week. That's going to have a, a number of different things for multiplayer and campaign alike. Uh, on Thursday, February 24th, you'll see a number of different kind of network improvements to fix rubber banding and anti-cheat systems being implemented in more perpetuity than they already have been. Um, They're also going to be adjusting the way some of the radars move in big team battle. Bottom line, it sounds like, pardon me, it sounds like a lot of these notes are dedicated to just improving the general gameplay experience and prepping for season two proper. It's a mid-season update, right? And I've lamented many times how long season one is, Uh, A lot of people are generating content around the fact that uh, there's not much content in season one, right? That the multiplayer is still not uh, where they want it to be, that the single player still has a few issues here and there. And they're making a lot of videos and such on that. And I can get behind, you know, the sentiment there, but I mean, Halo Infinite, it's hard to dunk on it in the sense that it delivered a great single player campaign and the multiplayer suite works. Something that you cannot say about a number a number of different launches in the first person shooter space. Is it right for fixes? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, among those fixes, I should also note is uh, you'll have some quick resume features that are going to be fixed and cleaned up, which is good. I think we've seen a lot of games launch with frustrations with quick resume, like different network based games where you have to tap, tap into a network. Uh, quick resume tends to, to glitch out on it. Whereas closed space games, I, I've noticed in my personal experience do better. Uh, but yeah, in general, it's nice to see a mid-season update in addition to all the other stuff they've been uh, working on. We also know they're making a mode from certain affinity that is going to tie elements of big team battle uh, into like a bigger PVE element, which I'm all in for. I don't remember if I've talked about it on this particular show. I know I talked about it on Cast Co-op with Ainsley and Joe. Uh, we've actually had some really good episodes of Cast Co-op, I should say. Uh, we talked a lot about why exclusives do and don't matter in the most recent episode, and that was an absolute blast. We also got codes for a certain game in the middle of recording, and it led to some pretty funny reactions from us because we just went nuts once we checked our emails whilst recording. It, it was uh, it was fun. So if you're not a Cast Co-op listener, that might be one to check out uh, for sure. I, I, I have a blast with those guys. It's just a fun, very casual show that is very low intensity like we do not stress that show we don't even put together detailed notes we just come together 
and chat and have fun with our buds. And it's meant to be a very uh, relaxed atmosphere. And like, sometimes we change the recording night just because things don't work. We're not feeling it. It's different than the, we're recording at this time, every week, this thing, that have this structure. It's meant to be a more casual show, which some people really dig and some, you know, it's, it's not for them, which I think you can make a good argument for. Like uh, this show, XEP has gone through its own level of changes and reactions to just how I present content to you guys and what type of guests we have on what type of interviews we try to pose uh, and whatnot. I had a few requests come in last week. I'm just kind of shooting off the hip here uh, for different people to bring on the show for interviews. Lauren landing was one of the names brought up. I reached out to them. Uh, A lot of it is a matter of timing. I've noticed like in trying to have people spotlight games that are about to come out. uh, If they're in the final throes of creating their game, sometimes they just don't have the time or bandwidth to come on and kind of present their game in a, in a, an audio fashion. And I completely respect that. Um, sometimes they're, they love doing it, right? Like I'm really excited to talk to Ricard Paulson in an hour or so uh, to, to bring you guys that interview. That's going to be really cool. Cause I didn't know about his game until three days ago when Scott pointed me to it. So that's just a, a fun way that things work out. Uh, so yeah, I'm always working for it, but if you guys have people you want on the show, let me know, let me know. All right, let's get to some listener question. It's a light week. I hope you don't mind me just kind of being very casual in the delivery of content this week. I just wanted to hang out with you guys. Uh, this first question comes from Mammoth Ego. Now, I love me some Mammoth Ego. If you don't know Mammoth, he's a, a Avengers content creator, which I know is a bit niche for you guys. And you also know that I love superhero games and that Avengers is one that I love. Uh, he says, I want to hear your thoughts regarding the recent dev announcements for Play Avengers with regards to longevity and lifespan, as well as any predictions you want to lay down early. I know this isn't Xbox uh, Game Pass specific, but I know it's our, you know, it's our little baby. Uh, Mammoth is awesome, guys. You should absolutely follow him over on Twitter at Mammoth Ego. Uh, and he, he's just started his, his Twitter account, but his Twitch account is growing like by leaps and bounds. Um, so if you missed it, guys, I think it's uh, become staple to kind of gut punch Play Avengers at, at various points over the last few months, deservedly so in some cases, undeservedly in a lot of others. But with the delay of Suicide Squad uh, Kill the Justice League, this is going to be the only game in that space. And I have on a good authority with some connections behind the scenes that it looks like Crystal Dynamics has made their decision about the future and longevity of this game. And they're going to be supporting it more than they have been, which is awesome. It looks like the, the MCU skins they've been rolling out are making a big difference. And we got a recent blog update uh, from the team that listed a number of different improvements to the way that exotics are dropped, to the way that multiplayer and matchmaking is handled, how they're fixing the raid, and what content they have on the way. For anyone that's been kind of on the periphery to this game, it's been a lot of problems, right? And we weren't really sure if, if Crystal Dynamics was going to commit to it. Square, not necessarily super supportive of them either. Really nerf the team size and such. Based on what I've heard, uh, it looks like that team is going to be getting more support of late. They're going to be getting more kind of funding to, to bring people in and help them with content delivery. And Brian Wagner and uh, his team are basically delivering on a lot of new stuff in 2022 that sees this game get a true shot in the arm. The Wakandan expansion was really big for for Avengers last year, but it was a story-based thing that delivered, brought some people in, and then those people moved on because the end game had so many problems. Uh, One of the things they've done is really rework the gear system, and that'll be fixed a lot in the 2.3 drop that is coming in the next few weeks. 
there's also a number of different heroes and villains on the way. We know some of those heroes that are on the way, one of them being She-Hulk, which uh, former XEP guest Kritzia Bajos is going to be voicing her, uh, and she's going to be coming... Or sorry, she's already been on the show. She's confirmed on Twitter that that is her as well, despite no official posts from Play Avengers. She's even said it uh, out loud, and, and I did know that one was coming. That was a cool little behind the scenes that I picked up. Really excited for her interpretation of that character. Um, also have on pretty good authority that we're going to be getting uh, at least two more heroes before Captain Marvel in that game, and we're going to get at least one big expansion this year with a couple of other hero events. Um, I'm excited by this news because it, Crystal Dynamics really languished in their support of the game when it disappointed at launch. And a lot like Cyberpunk, it launched with a number of different hazards, but it looks like they're really getting close to that true version of this game. And I think in 2022, you're going to see what Avengers should have been when it launched. So Mammoth, uh, great question. I know a lot of people aren't super into our game, but I think it'll bring more people in. Uh, really expecting a couple things in the next two Three months. In three months' time, you're going to see two big things happen. Um, I know I know that for a fact. So that's pretty dope. That's pretty exciting for sure. Uh, this next question comes from Famous Seamus. He says, does seeing the success of animated adaptions like Castlevania, uh, League of Legends, and Cuphead make you wish that the Halo show was animated instead of being live action? What other Xbox games do you hope to see adapted shows, uh, adapted to shows and movies? Famous Seamus, love the question. Um, I think if we didn't see the quality of what Halo's show was going to be, if we didn't see the the effort they're putting into it in, in such a good way, then I would have wanted it to be animated. But in this particular case, I think we're better off with it being live action to bring in more people. As far as other games that uh, could be made into shows, I think Gears of War is the obvious answer, right? And if it's animated and given the arcane treatment where it's a super high quality then I would fully expect it to be like full of blood and gore and really up the ante for what Gears of War can be. Um, so that's kind of the easy answer, but there's a lot of other universes. ReCore, which is while not Xbox owned, would be a really cool universe to see some animated stuff in and the art style kind of lends itself to that for sure. I'm also curious to know kind of like would Avowed or Fable be a good fit? Those fantasy elements, those fantasy worlds, much like Arcane, would be worthwhile to explore pieces of, right? Like to, to really just give a full-on show about it. I would love for that to be the case and expand the name of these games and brand of these games into other places. Uh, you can compare that to what, what PlayStation is doing. They've created you know a film studio to support some of their brands and I, and I don't necessarily mean the uncharted movie which while critically panned is doing very well in the box office which is pretty darn cool right like I heard bad things about the movie at the same time I'm seeing reports that Tom Holland crushed it which I am excited about because I love Tom Holland but I do not feel like he's Nathan Drake and if he crushed that role that's amazing I'm anxious to see it myself uh, for me that's a rental but I mean I'm all for video game adaptions to film and shows when they're treated with love, respect, and care. And, I mean, animated seems to be to make more sense for a couple different universes. Think about a Destiny animated show. How cool would that be? Now that they've got their Destiny uh, storytelling under wraps, it would be dope if Bungie, like, truly made that. And their partnership with Sony suggests that they're absolutely going to be making shows and movies around the Destiny universe. And that's awesome. That's really cool. So I guess, in short, uh, I want a Gears animated show for sure. I want a Fable or a Vowed one. 
And you know what? It might be kind of cool if they had an animated for kids grounded universe, like a show on Netflix or whatnot in the grounded uh, universe. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Basically, how many kids would get into that? That'd be amazing, right? Let's check that out. This last question comes from Fuzzy Belvedere. This one says, with the release of King of Fighters 15 and a possible Street Fighter 6 announcement next week, do you think the arcade biting genre will make a resurgence? I love this question. I'm a big fan of arcade fighting games, but I've fallen away from them as they've not really gotten the true support on the Xbox platform that I would have uh, hoped they would get. I mean, I had a fight stick on... on, on Xbox 360, I loved Super Street Fighter 4. That was just one of the best fighting games I'd ever played. And I was really bummed when Street Fighter 5 launched it in such a bad state. And it was console specific. Uh, King of Fighters 15 did just launch. My friend Elu did the review uh, with my code over on, on Season Gaming. You should absolutely check that one out. And he did a great job reviewing that. So check out Elu's review over on Season Gaming. And uh, with Street Fighter 6's announcement, it looks like that's going to be platform specific to playstation and it's a bummer i hate that um i hate that because i don't like when big franchises go exclusive and limit the number of people that can be exposed to them i've really felt that pain recently with spider-man because i just i'm loving all the spider-man love that's come out of no way home and in Fortnite, and i just want to play spider-man and i can boot up my playstation but i want to get achievements right um and with Street Fighter Six, it, it looks like that announcement is coming. Capcom's teasing two different things at this moment, one with Resident Evil, one with Street Fighter, and it looks like those are pretty heavily tied to PlayStation, and I find that to be a bummer. I feel like those particular franchises deserve and belong to all people, plus a healthy fighting game community uh, requires a lot of people. You want a lot of people in there, otherwise it gets to be very sweaty, and only the diehards play it, and that's not, to me, worth it. That's not fun for me i see the same criticism of halo when i see the halo infinite pros trying to dictate what should happen in the casual game no i don't want that at all um but i hope the arcade fighting genre makes a resurgence i want a reason to get a fight stick for my xbox series x i want a reason to to dive in and learn something uh in that in the arcade fighting space right something that injustice and uh, Mortal Kombat are great, but don't quite have that same speed that I really like about Street Fighter. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see, Fuzzy, but uh, let me know what you think, man, because I would love to get back into that space. I just don't see it happening in the same ways uh, as it once did. But I'll tell you what, man, if it, if Street Fighter Six comes to Series S and X, I'm all in, and I will get a fight stick, and I will dive in. Uh, so my hope is that it's not not exclusive but you know playstation bought evo for a reason so you have to think it's it's they're doing something there with the the fighting game community for sure all right guys i hope you enjoyed this uh this episode this week a little bit more of a stream of consciousness not a ton of news to talk about so i kind of shot from the hip and enjoyed just chatting with you guys uh stick around in just a few minutes we'll be talking to ricard paulson developer behind the upcoming gunborg dark matters which comes out in early march i've been playing it it's a blast if there was an embargo no one made me read or sign anything so i can tell you right now it's easy it's fun uh it reminds me of i believe the game is velocity over in vita territory uh which is dope it's a it's a it's a good vibe so so look it up gunborg dark matters uh enjoy the interview please rate xep over on your various podcast platforms it does make a difference and i see it uh and let me over on the twitter space if you are enjoying the show that's it for me enjoy the interview take care
All righty, we are very fortunate now to welcome to the show Ricard Paulson of Rick Pow Studios on to discuss his new game, Gunborg Dark Matters. Ricard, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you. I first heard about your game from uh, Scott Carnage, who focuses on ID at Xbox titles. Uh, and in playing it this morning, I've had an absolute blast. Tell me, uh, when you think about Gunborg Dark Matters, what type of game uh, do you think of it as? Um, so I think it's um, uh, an arcade action platformer. Uh, I like. I intentionally wanted it to be uh, to not have like um, a lot of upgrades or uh, you know leveling up or having to backtrack and do stuff like that. So it's just basically action. You have all your abilities from the beginning, and you can, if you're very skilled, you can move through the game pretty fast. It's like um, it's very skill based, I would say. Th that was something I noticed as well. Everything feels very fast and, and frenetic or exciting. Uh, but I felt like the better I got, the faster I could move through levels. Uh, I think if we're trying to describe this title to other people, you and I were talking before, you had some inspirations uh, from other titles to help you kind of create this. And you've been developing it for a number of years. Could you talk a little bit about... Uh, how long you've been working on the game? Yeah, so uh, I started working on the game um, more than eight years ago uh, in my in my free time. Um, so I, I have a day job that's unrelated to, to making games. Um, and uh, when I found the time, I worked on this project. And uh, yeah, I, honestly, I worked a lot on this project in uh, weekends and evenings. Um, yeah. Eight years is, is a long time to be working on a game. Was it mostly just you? Yeah, I did, um, I did the, the game design, the programming, the art, most of the sound effects. And like I made up a story also. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, when I look at the credits now, I can see that a lot of people actually helped out, like friends and family, and uh, obviously the composer that I mm -hmm. uh, started working with uh, did all the music, which is a huge uh, like part of the game. It's one of the selling points of the game, I think, because his music is really good. Absolutely. I was playing this morning, again, the music sounds wonderful, and it really captures the tone of the game and like the vibe that I think you're, you're going for. Um, but before we talk about that, you said that your day job is not in games. Did you get training in games prior to, to this? Yeah. So, uh, I studied computer graphics in 2004 mm -hmm. and for three years. And then I started working in the in the games industry in in Sweden at Grin and Starbreeze. Uh, I worked as a 3D animator for two years in total um, before I decided to, you know, do some, something uh, that wasn't related to games as a, mm -hmm. as a living. And then I started to, to do this um, indie game in my free time. 
That's exciting. That's really cool. And in making a, a game on your own, for the most part, as a hobby, certainly some other games had to be influences or inspirations. Uh, what games come to mind while you were creating this one that you enjoyed playing or discussed? Uh, well, uh, since it took me eight years, I had a lot of time <laughs> to play other games and be inspired by them. Uh, but the first game that, you know, that actually made me want to make my own indie game, maybe some other indie developers will feel the same way, but it was uh, Hotline Miami, mm -hmm. um, which was also made in Game Maker, the engine that I'm uh, using for Gunborg. Uh, so I thought like if, if and that guy, um, can't remember his name now, but he, he actually said that he's not very good at programming in an interview. Mm -hmm. um but uh with game maker you could still make uh really cool games so that's why i tried it out and i just started because this was my first time programming also uh so so i needed to have a, a game engine to use mm -hmm. yep. uh well i have to ask was it difficult to do um uh <laughs> It's not a fair you question, know, I know. <laughs> no, it's it's time consuming. It's extremely time consuming. Uh, it's I think it's very hard to make a game in a short amount of time. But if you spend eight years, you will have something. I'm pretty sure most people will have something if they you know keep keep at it. Uh, you mentioned Hotline Miami, and we were talking prior to recording. It reminds me of the the PlayStation Vita title, Velocity. I also see elements of perhaps Mega Man in there uh, as well. Have you heard other comparisons to, to different games as well? Um, I mean, I've played those games, so I'm sure I was inspired by Mega Man and Velocity. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Mega Man is. I played it when I was so small. It's. I'm inspired by it, even though I'm not really thinking about it. I don't have a lot of friends who play video games, so they just. Um, <laughs> I usually describe it as you know, it's like Super Mario. You can see the character from the side and jump. So, I don't have a lot of. Uh, haven't gotten a lot of feedback on. It reminds me of this specific game. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure listeners understand this game is super fast. You're running around from the side, as he said, uh, but you're platforming. You've got you can pick up all different types of, of weapons when you don't have uh, a gun. You can also use your sword and a, an energy shield. This is super cool. And the entire time you're doing this, Ricard, you've got a score system going for points and modifiers. Mm. Yeah, so um, this uh, everything in the game has sort of uh, evolved. Uh, you know, I've tried so many different uh, things in the game, and I've kept the things that were the best ones. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've removed a lot of stuff to just uh, make it uh, uh, sort of simple to understand. You know, it, you want to make the game easy to understand but hard to master you were talking about the scoring system that's uh, sort of late in development uh, I, I added that uh, the multiplier the score multiplier and mm -hmm. uh, the power up that you will get if you uh, 
if you destroy a certain amount of enemies without getting hit yourself, then you become powered up until you get hurt by something. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I tried out maybe, I don't know, six months ago. So, and it worked out really well. So uh, that wasn't a plan from the beginning. It just uh, happened. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me this. You worked on it for eight years. You're a few weeks from launch. When does the game come out? And are you nervous? Uh, it's out uh, on March 4 uh, on uh, consoles and on Steam. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, sometimes I feel nervous about it. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy with what I've achieved, even if it doesn't you know, if people don't hear about it, because this is the, like the difficult part now, uh, marketing mm-hmm. the game and making sure that people, uh, know that it exists. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I'm kind of nervous, but mm-hmm. I'm also happy with, uh, having this project finished and maybe moving on to another project. Yeah. I, I enjoyed making the game and I would like mm-hmm. to make more games basically. That's good to hear, especially given that your day job is not games. And I can tell any listener that's, that, that's, you know, with us right now, I'm having an absolute blast with this game. This is super mm-hmm. fun, old school action. Uh, and I'm really liking kind of the, the boss designs. I just beat a spider boss. Uh, that was really fun. You've got a, a lot of different like enemy designs here. Were there any uh, that stood out as being your favorite that I should look forward to? Uh, so, uh, as an uh, animator, I really wanted to, you know, I felt like, you know, animation is the thing that I actually know from before. Uh, so I felt uh, like uh, I had a lot of fun creating the characters and animating them. And uh, I like those old school bosses where you actually have to, you know, do a sequence of things to hurt the boss. Uh, mm-hmm. um, hard to say if I, I, I guess I have kept my favorite characters there. <laughs> there have been so many other characters that are not in the game. <laughs> mm, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That can make perfect sense for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, what tips do you have for players that are picking up Gunborg? Um, I think don't be afraid to play on the easy difficulty. Uh, I, I think if you're not used to playing twin stick shooters, you should probably go with easy difficulty. And remember to use the shield a lot. Uh, you can, like a lot of players assume that if you use the shield, you have to stand still uh, because maybe it's like that in other games. But mm-hmm. here you, you're not slowed down in any way. You can keep the shield button uh, pressed and move around just like... That was... Yeah, that was something that I ran into. I was stopping to use the shield at first, and then when I realized I could run... And you can even bounce off of spikes. That was mm-hmm. a really cool uh, uh, bonus point for me as well. Yeah, I that's actually... That wasn't in the demo, but I was watching people play the demo, and someone tried to do that thing. And they just died on the spikes. But I thought it was like such a good idea that I added it, the, the bouncing. That's neat. That's neat. 
So how long has the demo been out uh, ahead of this release? It's been out since uh, January, uh, like more than a year now. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, uh, I I had my, I put my email address in the demo, uh, in the Mm -hmm. credits. So, and I wrote, you know, that people should email me if they had any feedback or any tips mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and some people did and some people uh, I stayed in contact with uh, some people for this whole year basically um, and uh, you know listen that's, to feedback that's really and, cool you had people emailing you to talk about your game as you were creating it that's fun yeah that was actually I that's maybe the most uh, you know the thing I will uh, remember most fondly of this game production like uh, how i had fans of the game actually write their ideas and you know this back and forth Uh, i mean the game would have been different if people hadn't given me feedback i i they had some great ideas i even received a fan fiction uh and uh, i collaborated with the guy who wrote that uh, on the to put a story in the manual for the game, like a backstory. Wow, that's cool. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's really cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ricard, Gumborg comes out, as you said, March 4th. Uh, you people can pre-order on the Xbox Store and other platforms now. It looks yep. like if, if Xbox users pre-order it, they get uh, a good discount, which is kind of cool as well. Yeah, um, that I'm I'm so excited for you. I hope things mm-hmm. you know go well in the launch. Uh, <laughs> I, I also hope to see you keep making games. This one's an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Can you Thank point you people? Oh, absolutely. Can you p- point people where to follow you on uh, social media and anywhere else that the game is available? Uh, the the game will be available on Steam and on itch.io. And uh, you can follow me at Rick Pau Studios on Twitter, R-I-C-P-A-U Studios. There we go. There we go. And listeners, if you are listening to this right now, first person uh, to tweet me from North America that you heard the interview and that you're interested in the game, I will gift you a copy as well. Ricard, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thank you.